once you have a valuable resource, then you have a responsibility. And it's really exciting to be able to connect and work with businesses that want to make an impact. And the more data you have and the better you can qualify. You're listening to Identity Revolution, a podcast from the consumer identity management experts at Infutor Data Solutions. In each episode, we invite industry leaders for data-driven discussions on all things marketing, analytics, and identity. Join us as we take a deep dive into industry trends, strategies, and the future of data technology. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Infitour's Identity Revolution podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Tom Cutshaw, Managing Partner of Boss Leads. Tom, how are you today? I'm doing well, real well. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on. We're really looking forward to this episode. You know, we haven't had a ton of interviews with, with, with players in the lead gen space, and I know your background and your experience in leading these institutions to greater heights is going to be very interesting for our listeners. So, why don't we get started out a little bit today with, give the audience a bit of background on yourself and what you're up to right now. Okay, sure. So my background really is from two sections. One is marketing and the other is IT, information technology. So I actually came to Colorado for a master's in technology management. And what I learned pretty quickly is individually, both of those are the most difficult to justify in a business. Like, how do you justify spending $100,000 into hardware that's going to depreciate? How do you justify spending to get eyeballs on a billboard or media with unknown results? But when you combine them, you have this beautiful form called lead generation, and that's all data-driven. And so I kind of found that lane and collectively been driving towards producing results for businesses within the financial services, insurance, energy space. And from there, you know, fell into the rabbit hole and just realized, wow, light bulb moment. This is where I should be. This is definitely my lane. And it was kind of funny because I never really knew that until I fell into lead generation. But going to school, going to be trained, continue education, light bulb moment, lead generation. That's that's how you put them together. So in uh, lead, and you mentioned lead generation, where are you specifically seeing the greatest growth today? You mentioned energy, education. Where are you seeing, you know, more and more visitors coming, looking for more information? It's for every business. It's these businesses, they're tired of spending with Google. They're tired of spending with traditional media. And they're going, there's got to be something better out there. And so you hear it in the small mom pop shops and they, they call it marketing. And then you hear it in the large media corporation, and they call it non-traditional. But it's essentially the same thing. They're trying to reach a customer, and they're trying to present their brand with an experience to that customer. And so using data to that really is advantageous in every which way to reach out and engage and convert with customers. Got it. How has your background been able to help you drive success in your role today? (laughs) Well, my background has been in the space of fragmentation. And I've been surrounded by business owners and they have fairly strong ideas as far as what they want to occur, but they don't know how to express that or create a process to drive results. So my background being a marketing background is, hey, I can help you with that. And we're gonna have some technology, we're gonna have some data, we're gonna have some uh, process along the way. But my background has really been working with business owners to help them engage and convert with their customers. 
What are some of the most disruptive shifts you are seeing in the data and analytics space right now? Yeah, it definitely comes down to first party data is experiencing massive disruption within the value exchange of businesses. So now remember, like no one gives away their data for free. There's always some type of implied exchange of value. So consumers are not stupid. They know that when they click the submit button, they're going to receive calls, right? So the question becomes, how do we provide equal or greater value than you're asking for as a marketer? And once you identify that as the value proposition, decisions become more clear around data and technology. Great. Yeah. You know, at Infuture, we're seeing a rapid shift in companies establishing strong data science strategies. How do you see this continuing to evolve as we move into 2022? Well, if you need more data or more first-party data, what you should be asking for is more than you're offering. So the question becomes, how do you use data on hand, right? The more it empowers Mm -hmm. an advertiser and a business to present a compelling offer, the stronger you can use and establish your data strategy. Look at companies like DuckDuckGo or burner phones. Why are those so popular in the marketplace? And I think it comes down partially to the customer has to not only perceive the exchange data worth the trade, they have to receive a great experience with the trade. So companies like yours, they're really helping shape those strategies for companies. Because when a business you know, tries to be game-changing and they want to change their business model or, or tune that business model, they have to be able to offer a better experience with the customer. So I think the question comes down to how to use a strategy that's data-driven next year is what can my business do today that makes the user experience faster, easier, and more competitive. And if we present a weak user experience, like the likelihood of them filling out the form or calling in or expressing their data into a request is very low. But if we have an integrated process that again is data-driven largely, for example, using a Google login instead of asking for their data in that process, then we're in the business of trading value in exchange for information, which is lead generation. So as we optimize the data collection, qualification, verification, using the data-driven strategies, you get better results. And so no matter what kind of result you're going to get, if you want better results, it starts with data. You know, you mentioned DuckDuckGo, and as soon as I hear that company name, I always think of the privacy concerns of many of the visitors that at site. I've always said that privacy to me is kind of like, you know, it's a big issue today, right? A lot of consumers are concerned about keeping their data private. But I think it's a lot like Ricardo Montalban in that you ask anyone over, you know, 40 years old who who's Ricardo Montalban, they'll know exactly who you're talking about. But anybody who's maybe you know, 25 years or younger will have no idea who that is. No. And I think it's sim- similar to privacy. Privacy is a big of, of, of the utmost importance to some of the older generations. But I see my daughter and teenagers and her friends, they don't seem to be very concerned about privacy. How do you feel as this generation that has their entire life online gets older and starts getting into their 20s and 30s? Do you foresee a time when privacy concerns will go the way of the dodo? Hmm. I think privacy is a rising issue to trust. And trust is one of the biggest selling factors for businesses. 
So why is Amazon number one? Trust. When they started their business model, they had a great idea, which was whatever you wanted to return, no questions asked, we trust you. And it created this massive snowball effect within the e-commerce space. Now, there's a lot of other reasons they did very well, but fundamentally, they're driving trust with the customer base. And they continue to do that in iterations with loyalty programs and prime programs and so forth. So privacy is an interesting topic because privacy is fragmented. So how do you consolidate privacy? And that is points back to opt-ins, opt-in brands. So we have a brand called trustedconsumer.com and it consolidates privacy. So even if we don't own and operate the form, we can still consolidate an opt-in and a privacy policy by really focusing on the form itself. Great. So I, I'm familiar with some of the data scientists and analytics professionals at Boss. What are some of the important con conversations that you're having uh, with your teams right now? And what are some of the important conversations that our listeners should be having? Yeah, you know, this is something I've kind of realized in our space over the last few months. And I'm so compelled by it that I'm actually shifting some of my focus next year. And there is a tremendous amount of digital waste that exists that we recycle as marketers, that we recycle as businesses. So I'll just use Bossley's for an example. They are in the business of producing a form of data, which is called the sales lead, lead generation. So we connect and work with lots of partners and technology systems into the main hub. And the force of digital marketing is so strong, it's almost like a magnet right now, it demands you feed it more information. And that demand can attract both good and bad data sets. I've seen it firsthand over and over and over with businesses and clients that I work with. In my experience, sometimes 30% of the data that you feed into that machine for marketing purposes can be incorrect. It can be completely irrelevant. It's just waste. It's just noise in this space. Yet we know that the end result coming out of that marketing machine is going to be an ROI, right? So we overlook those types of fundamental logics, which I have a problem with because I wouldn't put my own family into that funnel if I know it's broken, yet we feed prospects and leads and data into those funnels. And so, you know, <laughs> I was actually talking to a lender this morning and I'll leave out the name because it's kind of embarrassing for them, but this is the owner of a very large, fast growing lender. They're doing very well. We're working with them. And he's like, I'm getting text messages on my own cell phone. I'm like, for who? And it was for a name of a customer that didn't even exist. But they thought that was him. But it's actually the owner of a mortgage company getting text messages saying, do you want to refinance <laughs> on, on his cell phone, right? And that's not a unique story. Yeah. This has happened in a lot of industries. And it just highlights the problem that, you know, it's a legitimate company. And I even know who sent the text messages to this lender. And... The opt-in is there, you know, the, everything seems to be right, but you can use a data-driven solution to create verification and qualification to do a lot better job drive experience. So I actually, I was just reading a book. There's a quote here from John um, Mueller at Google. So he took a crack at trying to answer this in a different way. So this is interesting. He stated, I'll try to paraphrase best I can. When it comes to quality content, we don't mean like just text of your articles. It's really the quality of your overall website. 
And this includes everything from the layout to design, like how you have things presented on your pages, how you integrate images, and how you work with the speed. All of those factors, they come into play here. And I think that really is a good explanation and kind of resonates with the customers that you guys work with because we need to create a better way for the data within the business to help every part of that business produce a better quality experience. It's not just one piece. Uh, a data-driven mindset within performance marketing helps your entire experience. And just like Google, who's the largest data collector in the world, understands that it's more than just one piece. It's how do you attack all of this as an experience for the customer. Great. How do you see data and technology changing or improving as we enter 2022 and beyond? And, and most importantly, what's what are you most excited about in terms of the future? That's a good question. There's, there's a lot of uncertainty next year. There's a lot of changing pieces within the data world, in my opinion. But I think that there's almost a tug of war between consumers and advertisers. A consumer claims to own their data because they are the consumer. And a business will make claim to the data through EBRs, which is a established business relationship, through TCP opt-ins, through TSR relationships. So there's this conflict between the consumer who actually owns his information mm -hmm. and the business, which creates a path and a claim to ownership of the customer's information. So I would suggest to consider value exchanges as a purchase instead. Once we do that, we can bring it back to ways that we can understand. We can identify and understand steps to help leverage data and technology. So if we use data to reduce the offer's resistance or strengthen the value exchange or reduce cost to collect first-party data, all of these things help a business. So no matter what kind of business you're in next year, you're going to be in that business. And that's something you can kind of take away and you go, okay, where do I start? Well, just look at it a little bit differently. You know, in my conversations with the team at Boss Leads, I've heard it mentioned that uh, you want to help make a positive impact, you know, and have the leads ability to grow, but also make a positive impact. Could you elaborate on that a little bit for us? Yeah, definitely. So we're, we're, we are slightly adjusting our course. And when I look at society, when I look at culture, when I look at the way businesses are being treated from a regulatory standpoint, I believe some of those things are going the wrong direction. So we fundamentally want to use the force of data to do good. And so how do you do that? Well, every time we send a lead out, which is a sales lead or a phone call or a click, we have a funnel and we get to control where that funnel goes. And the way I, I'm preaching that internally is that's a vote. That's a vote for a company. And that company has a direct impact on their lives. Or it could be that company is directly helping consumers in the marketplace. So the question is, you know, how do you apply the force of data? Data is the most, inf most valued resource in the world. It overtook the petrodollar, essentially, and value of what people consider it and how, how valuable it is. So once you have a valuable resource, then you have a responsibility. And I think it's really exciting to be able to connect 
and work with businesses that want to make an impact. And the more data you have and the better you can qualify and assist within that exchange, the bigger impact you have for good using data. Great. Could you talk about some of the resources that you use in terms of trends and, um, you know, what are some of the resources that you use on a day-to-day basis for our listeners to possibly also utilize or discover? Well, are you looking for like industry resources or like tools and, and tricks? Let's start out with industry, uh, both in, in essence, okay. but let's start with the industry re- resources you use and then also some uh, yeah, tools and tricks is a great way of putting it for our listeners. Okay. So I operate in the mortgage space quite a bit. There's a newsletter called Rob Christman, and he has an interesting daily blog about the trend and the pulse within the financial service and mortgage space. So, Rob, if you're listening, I appreciate some free advertising in your newsletter. It's a a great one. And if not, then I would just recommend to go check it out because it's pretty cool resource-wise. Is that a daily newsletter? It is, yeah. You can sign up for it. Is it a daily? Mm -hmm. Yep. So if you're in the mortgage or financial service space, it kind of helps you get a pulse on mergers and acquisitions and different trends and movements within the space technology-wise. Outside of that, I follow a lot of unusual things compared to what most people follow. I'm interested in blockchain. I'm interested in crypto. I like financial trends. I like freedom and capitalism. So most of my subscriptions revolve around those types of, of new sets to help me just stay aware of what's, what's going on in the marketplace. Now, as far as tools and tricks, I guess, go, it's really interesting to be involved in the evolution of technology related to marketing. So a couple of years ago, you know, SMS was not a big thing. Now it's being built into every single CRM out there. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of unique ideas. If you go into, I know this sounds a little off the cusp, but like Clubhouse, Clubhouse at like 1 a.m. in the morning, there's some insane ideas flowing around in those groups between peer-to-peer, mm-hmm. just sharing ideas, talking about how we can help sell, market, create a better experience. So it's, it's all over the place. It's just if you're listening or not to it yeah you see you mentioned sms you're absolutely right a few years ago it wasn't you know probably discussed anywhere near as much as email marketing or something like that now it's 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 on everyone's agenda do you foresee anything similar to that over the next few years that's going to be more of a focus that isn't necessarily today hmm it's always dangerous to go on the record and state what your prediction is for a future technology that doesn't exist. <laughs> but exactly. I, I do believe that we're, businesses will start to engage with tools that consolidate fragmentation within the permission space, the context space, that there's going to be tools and marketing techniques rolled out that reverse some of the flows. Right now, there's a lot of push. I think that the poll is underserved. How does a consumer engage and connect within a business or an offer on their terms? There's some of that, but it's underserved. So I think we're going to start to see technologies and marketing techniques that put the consumer in the driving seat a little bit more than currently. You know, Tom, before we take this latest edition of Identity Revolution into the uh, garage, I do want to take a quick veer turn because you mentioned crypto. Crypto is something I don't understand very well. Love for you to share with our audience some of the resources that you would suggest reading to learn more about crypto. And just, if you don't mind, give us a, a crypto for dummies, a 411 
uh, really quick so we could pro- probably better understand, you know, the sure. movements in that space if possible. I know we only have a, if you can do that in a, in a five minute period, that'd be ideal, but <laughs> it, it, it really probably takes a little bit more than that. Exactly. What's interesting is the buzzword crypto is a big buzzword, but it's actually a reflection in a mirrored society. So we have stable coins. When I say we, I mean, I don't like own crypto. I'm just saying like the marketplace as a whole is really a reflection Mm -hmm. of the current market environment. So gold goes up, USD goes up. So there's certain coins that are staked to that asset price. So staking means it's fixed too within a certain period of time. So I think that's what something to be to the U.S. dollar. It can be to the U.S. dollar or it cannot be to the U.S. dollar. The entire stock market exists within another world. You can even buy Google stock in crypto, and then it's a synthesized version of the stock. But if you buy it, instead of being main network fees, those network fees go back into the community, which goes back into your returns for buying the stock that's tied to an asset class in the physical world. So we see Facebook, you know, Facebook's being called meta because there's this immense environment that's being created to transact and create value for consumers. And I think it's a good thing because decentralization promotes freedom. Centralization promotes Marxism. So fundamentally, blockchain is a good technology. And everything else built off of that is going to be reinventing business models that currently exist within the stock market from what I've seen. So what would a quick recommendation for people who want to start getting into that space? Are there any periodicals, anything you would read on it that you would suggest there's, or recommend? There's lots and also of what specific that you can follow. Yeah. So I would say go yeah. follow Real Vision. Um, R E E L Vision. They have a mm-hmm. tremendous amount of information for you guys, for your listeners to go to to sign in. It's free to sign up. And realvision.com. I'm not even affiliated with it. But it's a great one, and they have their own funnels. And I also like the fact that they use data-driven funnels. And one of my previous students that I used to teach at the university is involved in the marketing department there. So it's also great to direct traffic to his funnel because funnels are awesome. And yeah. funnels drive businesses. So the more we can do to improve the experience in the funnel, everyone's happy. Tom, sure. can't thank you enough for your time today. Any final thoughts for the, the audience in terms of young people who are starting out or listening to this podcast? What would be your advice to them as they enter the business world and begin you know, uh, forging their way in towards hopefully some level of success? Well, right now we see a lot of people switching it up. It's called the great resignation. So mm-hmm. everybody is becoming self-employed. There's been this huge shift towards Everybody wanted to be a W-2 employee, work for this company, get benefits. Now we're seeing the opposite. People are flooding out of the companies, becoming self-employed, free thinking, more involved with fluid moving projects. And data is your gas. It's a better gas to drive any business, whether you're starting it up or you're trying to scale it up. And you have to be very careful and intentional how you use data. If you use it wrong, you're going to end up on Netflix as how you stole an election or something wild. And if you use it right, you end up on the Forbes list. So that'd be my closing thoughts. Just be very intentional and go for it. 
Tom, thanks so much for your time today. I really love what you're doing at Boss Leads. I'm very excited about Infutor's relationship and we'll be working together over the course of the next couple of years and hopefully continue to forge ahead with continued success. Thanks, Fred. Take care. Thanks, Tom. Have a good one. Have a great one. You too. Thanks again for listening to Identity Revolution. For more data-driven discussion, subscribe to Identity Revolution on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And for more on how Infutor can improve your data strategy across your entire enterprise, visit infutor.com.